Holy, holy, holy are you, our Lord, our God, the Almighty. There is no one like you. There are no other gods beside you. You alone reign over all that is, all that we see and all that we cannot see. You alone, our Lord, and to you alone belongs all glory, all honor, all praise. And so, Father, we bow before you this morning, recognizing the only way we can call you our Father is because Jesus has died for us. We put our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross, taking our punishment, bearing our sin, sin and so now we come to you through a new and living way opened for us through the curtain by your Son, our High Priest, Jesus. And we ask now that your Spirit would move in each of our spirits, that you would speak to your church, for we are here to hear. May the words of my mouth, meditations of each of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, our holy, holy God. We pray in the name of Jesus, our High Priest. Amen. So good to worship together this morning. We had a large group of men gather last night to eat rib wars. And uh, if you were enjoying those rib wars, I hope you can stay awake this morning. After eating all of that, that good food, it was a great time of fellowship together and learning together, getting to know one another better. It was great to have Jimmy back this morning, isn't it? God has... Uh, I don't know if he even realized that you guys were clapping when he walked up here this morning. I, I don't know if he recognized that, but we have missed him. I am so thankful for a church that gives men like that who have been so faithful for so many years a little bit of time to rest, to spend time with their family, and to come back renewed and encouraged. So thankful that he's here. I wanted to update you a little bit on our worship pastor that we have called, David Damasio from Brazil. He has received his, his visas. They are stamped in his passports for him and his family. His daughter graduates from high school the end of November, and so they will probably be coming at the very end of November. I've, I've encouraged him to stay and make sure his daughter gets her diploma there before moving and trying to do everything here. But we are looking forward to uh, David and Tim being able to serve us together. Tim has been serving us in a wonderful way, hasn't he? The Lord has used him, and I know the Lord will continue to use him. We're looking forward to having both of them being able to serve us in our worship times together. This morning, we are stepping into Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter sometimes called the Hall of Faith. Remember, it comes at a point where in chapter 10, the writer to the Hebrews, whoever it is that the Lord by His Spirit used to write these words, has written to this group of new believers, and they have been going through challenges. 
they have been facing increased oppression and persecution. We were just told in chapter 10 that some of them had been thrown in jail. Many of them had lost all of their possessions. Their possessions had been taken from them simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They are facing economic headwinds, but not because the empire had an economic problem, but because they were believers in Jesus. And sometimes we can look at our world, we can look at our country, and we can feel like, wow, things are getting increasingly challenging and difficult, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus. This chapter reminds us that we need to live by faith. That's how chapter 10 had ended. The just, the righteous will live by faith. And faith shapes our life today because it sees the future with the same clarity and the same certainty that it sees the past and the present. What the Holy Spirit wants us to understand is that faith is able to see what God has promised us in the future just as confidently as we see what God is doing among us right now or what God has done for us in the past. It's a little bit, you, you might imagine two men in a boat, a small boat. Yesterday I had the joy of getting out on Lake Huron sailing with my, my next door neighbor. And there were times when one of the guys, there were three of us in that sailboat, one of the, our guys had amazing eyesight. He could see things that the rest of us couldn't see. We were aiming for a buoy that we had to, to go around in, in this race, and I couldn't see it. Another guy couldn't see it, but he could see it. But you imagine a couple guys in a boat, and the winds start picking up. The waves are getting bad. They are getting terrified, and they can't see land. They can't see land at all. But one of them has a telescope that he can pick up and he begins to look through that thing and he can see way off in the distance the entrance to the harbor. That person has hope. He sees where they're heading. That is similar to faith. Faith is, enables us to see with absolute certainty what is out there in the future. But people without faith, like the other guy in the boat without that telescope, is totally hopeless. I can't see the land. I don't know where we are. The water's too rough. We're never going to get there. As these believers were facing increasing headwinds against them as believers, the Spirit of God says, as Christians, you see the future with the same clarity that you see the present. We live by faith today when we see God's promise of the future with the very same certainty that we see His provision of the past. His promise of the future stands just as bright and clear before us as we see His provision in the past. Or we could put it another way, because of who Jesus is, that's what all of those first ten chapters of Hebrews are, because of who Jesus is, the future is as certain as the past. Because He's in control of it all. Remember chapter one, He created it all, He made it all, and He is the one who's provided a way for us to step into eternity with the Father. So faith enables us to live today with confidence. It enables us to live today with endurance, no matter how difficult it becomes 
as believers for us to live. Now, we can look at chapter 10 and chapter 11 of Hebrews, and we can think, these are very different chapters. Actually, they're not. You know that the chapters were not there when the Holy Spirit penned these. And, and it's almost, it's almost uh, it's disappointing that there's a chapter break here at, verse, at chapter 11. Many of our Bibles have a little title there that says, By Faith. That's put there by the, the publisher of this Bible. That's not Spirit-inspired, of course, because this is a continuation from exactly what the Spirit was saying in the previous verses, that those who live by faith, verse 38, will not shrink back. Those who are trusting the Lord, no matter what they're going to face, they will not shrink back because they can see the promises of the future as clearly as they see God's provision in the past. So let's begin reading Hebrews chapter 11, but we're going to finish, we're going to pick up with the last verse of, of chapter 10. Verse 39 of chapter 10, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who, through, who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The very first word in verse 1 in the original language is the verb is. It starts with is in the original. Why is that? It wants to emphasize this is the nature of faith. This is what faith looks like. We don't really have a definition per se of faith here. What the Holy Spirit is trying to help us understand is faith in the context of challenges in life, which all of us face in one way or another, and these first, these first recipients were facing huge challenges in life. Faith in the context of those challenges, what does it look like? So he's describing it for us more than he's defining it for us. And what he says is faith makes the unseen reality as real as the reality that we can see. The unseen reality is real. In fact, it is more real than the visible reality that you and I live in today. That's what verse 3 is going to tell us in just a moment. So faith helps us realize that the unseen reality is just as real. In fact, it's actually more real than the reality that we can see with our eyes. I like the way F.F. F. Bruce, a great commentator, put it. He said, physical eyesight produces conviction or evidence of visible things, but faith is the organ which enables people to see the invisible order. It's like that telescope that allows us to see what we could never see with our natural eyes. So in verse 1, we have what sound like two statements. It's actually one statement said two different ways. The assurance, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction are really synonyms. It's not separate. It's not teaching us a separate thing. This is, these are synonyms. And the phrase, things hoped for and things not seen, 
are two phrases that define the same thing, that invisible reality, which is actual reality, that faith is able to see, it has an absolute conviction of, an absolute assurance of. So faith is not a refusal to look at the world realistically. Instead, faith enables us to live today in light of the reality that may not be visible to our eyes, but is absolutely true. And one day we will see in a very real way. That enables us to persevere. That's why chapter 10 was ending with these, this statement, we don't shrink back, but we are, have the faith that preserve our souls. We persevere. It's a faith that is lodged in hope. Faith is patient. Faith perseveres because it sees beyond what everyone else can see. This is how Romans chapter 8 puts it. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for those for the for who hopes for what he sees. We don't hope for what we see. We see it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, hope and faith always stand together. It is what we hope for, but hope is not some wishful thinking. It's an assurance. It's a conviction of the reality that is not yet visible. In verse 38 and, uh, 37 and 38 of chapter 10, the Holy Spirit had quoted Habakkuk. Habakkuk, who was facing the onslaught of the Babylonian armies, coming to absolutely overwhelm Judah, and the, the people in Judah are going to be taken into exile. He, he is facing the loss of everything. And he says, I will stand, I will rise up and stand, as it were, on a wall. I want to look out and see what God will do. I will wait and see what God will do. And God had told him, verse 37 of chapter 10, yet a little while, the coming one will come. He will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. He had hope that what God would, had promised he would do, he would do. And so Habakkuk ends his letter. Remember, even if there are no sheep in the pens, there, there are no grapes on the vines, yet I will hope in the Lord. He, he had learned what faith was like. Now, sometimes when we're trusting God, it seems like God doesn't come to our, our, our help, to our aid until the 11th hour and maybe the 59th minute of the 11th hour. Have you ever felt like that? But that's by our timetable. God is always on, on time. He will never delay. He will never be a moment behind in doing what is right in meeting our needs. And so we pray for our children. We pray for our adult children who have walked away from the faith, but we continue to have faith that the one who created those children knows them and loves them and hears our prayer. We pray as we make decisions in life. It might be decisions about getting married or decisions about what job to have or decisions about what college to go to. Lots of decisions. Those decisions are unknowns to us. We are praying, trusting Him, but then when we have faith, we're putting faith in the one who is able to answer those prayers. We're not putting faith in what we want. We're putting faith in the one who controls the future and holds it in his hands. 
Faith is not blind faith. It's placed in, based on the character of the one that we trust. And that one we trust is God. So it's not blind faith. We may not see the future, but we know God who holds the future, and we place our faith absolutely in Him. Think of Jeremiah. When, when Jeremiah was prophesying, again, he, he knew that the, the enemy of Israel was coming. They were going to invade the land. They were going to destroy the land. Jeremiah watched as the Nebuchadnezzar entered into Jerusalem and began to take away the exiles. Jeremiah saw at his world as it were crumbling. Jeremiah not only had the enemy, enemy armies from Babylon coming to invade his land. Jeremiah was opposed by the king of Judah who threw him, in, threw him into a dry well and was going to leave him there to rot. Jeremiah, when he was returning to his village, his home, had his own family saying, we're going to kill you. I mean, Jeremiah was oppressed and persecuted from every single direction. It was, if there was anyone who should have had no hope, it's Jeremiah. He could see no good end. But listen to what Jeremiah says as he wrote the book of Lamentations. Pouring out his heart to the Lord, he says in chapter 3, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Hope is faith. It's an assurance of, of who we trust in. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, regardless of what I see around me. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. You see how hope appears over and over again, this absolute conviction, this confidence, this hope in things not seen. That is what with faith is all about, but it's based in the one that we hope in. God is faithful. God's mercies never cease. God's love never comes to an end. And so Jeremiah, even though the world around him offers nothing to hope for, no hope, his faith is placed in the one that he trusts completely. Faith is always connected to hope because faith is always forward-looking. Now, as we go through this chapter, it's going to become crystal clear. Faith always looks forward. We think of faith many times as Christians as backwards-looking. Faith looks back to what Jesus did on the cross for us, and we put our faith in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. It is that. That's what we have been taught in chapter 10. Jesus offered one singular sufficient sacrifice where there's forgiveness of sins. We no lo longer need any other sacrifice. It is a completed work of Jesus. And so faith looks back to what Jesus did on the cross. And if you have faith in anything else, there is no hope for you in the future. Faith that begins always by looking back to what Jesus has done. But the nature of faith, how do we live by faith? We don't live by faith just looking backwards. Living is always looking forward, always pushing us forward. 
And so faith is forward-focused. That's why the word hope is always combined with faith. It's grounded in the truth of the past, of what God has done, who God is, and what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Chapter 1 through chapter 10. But faith now, knowing who Jesus is, thrusts our eyes forward. It always looks forward. So we put our hope in what Jesus has promised us. One example of that we find in John chapter 11. Jesus comes to Mary and Martha when they've lost their brother Lazarus. They are distraught. They are hopeless. Why? They are looking at the past. They are looking at their brother who has died. He's been buried. The tomb has been sealed with this huge stone. Their hope is gone. What does Jesus call them to do? He calls them to two things. He calls them, first of all, to look at himself. Who is this who's talking to you, Mary and Martha? And then he calls them to look to the future. That's what faith is. Listen to what Jesus says to them. When, When they're totally without hope, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. What's he saying? Look at me. Who am I? Put your faith in me. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Faith always looks forward based on who we trust. So chapters 1 to 10 have been telling us the wonder of who Jesus is, the very Son of God, the the very Word of God, the one who created everything, the one who rules heaven. Angels respond immediately. He came to earth. He died for us. He, He lived without sin. He took our sin upon himself. He paid the price for our sin. Now he is our high priest representing us before the Father, praying for us before the Father, interceding for us before the Father. He has opened for us a new way, a new and living way we have in chapter 10, verse 20. He's opened for us a new and living way into the very presence of God himself. Jesus, because of who he is and what he has done, has opened for us something new. That's what we live for. So he says to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at me. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. The one who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live, pushes us forward. Faith always, always looks forward. It's based on God's character and the evidence of his power in the past, but it always pushes us forward to what he will do. We do this in little ways, in our, in our own plans as families. Maybe some of you have already planned a vacation for next year. You know, if you're going to go on a cruise, you book it maybe a year in advance, or you, you plan to travel out west, and you start making your plans, and you, you, you plan your whole schedule, your time off from work and everything else around that vacation because you're looking to the future, and that changes how you live. Now, our vacation plans could all change. We could get sick. There could be a pandemic. Who knows? That may not. And yet, we still adjust our life today by what we're looking for in the future. But when we base that on God, whose promises are always true, who cannot lie, now we have real hope. We live today in light of 
God, what, who God is and what he has promised us. And that allows us to persevere. We can persevere because no matter how much struggle we're going through today, tomorrow he has promised us rest. We can suffer the loss of relationships because of our faith in Jesus. We can suffer the loss of family because of our relationships with Jesus. But what did Jesus say? He who has lost his mother and his father and his brothers and sisters because of me will receive a hundredfold, both in this life and in the life to come. So we, we will accept that loss today because we are looking forward with absolute confidence to this family of God that God has brought us into. We celebrate that family when we come together on Sundays, but the family is far bigger that we will spend eternity with. We can release all of our possessions to the Lord, and like them, like these believers who lost so many of their possessions, that's okay because our treasure is not here. We are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. That is where our future is. That is where our hope is. Faith is always future-focused. We can suffer the loss of a promotion at, at work because of our faith and because we won't do what they want us to do. It violates the, the calling of Jesus on our lives. We can suffer that loss of a promotion because we are looking forward to the con commendation of Jesus himself when he says, well done. Faith always pushes us forward. There's an amazing picture of faith in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 16, just, just let these words soak in. This is what faith looks like, and all over it is hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one against according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no longer thus. If anyone is in Christ, he's in a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has all come. We are now ambassadors for Christ. And then he goes on to say, all of the suffering that we experience today is going to be transformed into a beautiful future hope in Christ. So I can put up with the suffering today because he has made everything new. I am new in Christ. Faith makes the unseen reality as real as the reality we can see. But faith alone is what makes the believer approved by God. It's only faith that causes us to be approved by God. Listen to verse 2. For by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. It's by faith that people were, were commended by God. Chapter 11 is going to be filled with examples. That's what we're going to be seeing in the next weeks, one example after another of the faith of individuals that caused God to be pleased with them and to commend them. But think, for example, of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel's friends. They were told to bow down before a golden image. They refused. They're hauled before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, I will have to throw you into a fiery furnace. Just bow down before this image. And they say to him, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the, from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
and he, they are thrown into the furnace, and remember what happens? They are walking around, but they are not just three anymore. There is someone else walking with them. That's faith that causes us to be approved by God. It's taking God at his word and living that way, living in accordance with it. I don't know what fiery trial you may be facing. It's most likely not a fiery furnace. But whatever that trial is, we need to take God at his word and trust him. We put our faith in the one who has created everything, the beginning and the end. There's so many people who claim to have faith. They say they believe, and yet they live their lives by their own strength and by their own wits. Every time we run into a problem, I'm going to fix this. We run into a financial problem, I've got to fix it. We, we run into a health problem, I've got to fix it. We run into family issues or relationships, I've got to fix it instead of turning to the one who holds everything in his sovereign power and controls our lives. These saints were commended by God for their faith. They were not commended for their intelligence. They were not commended for all the good things they did. They were not commended because of their education. None of these saints that we're going to see in chapter 11 were commended because they were wealthy, because they had succeeded by earthly standards. None of them were commended because they had a great reputation. They were all commended by God because of their faith, faith alone. That's what God is looking for. Do you live your life trusting me so that you can see the future as with as much reality as you see the present or you look backwards at the past. Faith sees what is unseen with the same reality as what is seen. It's only faith and faith alone that brings the commendation of God. But then verse 3 tells us that faith sees the power and the reality of the unseen God behind everything we do see. What is visible to us, when we look at it by the eyes of faith, we see God's fingerprints all over it. We, saw the, we see the power and the reality of the unseen God behind everything that is visible. Look at verse 3. For by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The invisible to us, what we cannot see, is actually the ground, the source of everything that we can see, which means the invisible is more real than the visible. It's longer lasting. It is, in fact, eternal because it's God. Faith looks at the visible and it sees the power of God, the creation of God, the work of God. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. That word universe means all of time and space. It's not just the created things, but the time. You know, we are struggling with understanding time today. Einstein was trying to develop formulas for time. All of that, time and space, 
is created by God. That singular word encapsulates it all. And when, when, he's, when the Spirit of God says it was created by him, he uses an original word which means it was formed by design. And if you study science more and more, even atheists who are scientists are saying there seems to be a design to this universe that we cannot account for. Whether you're looking at the timing of the planets that move around a solar system or whether you're looking at the microscopic timing of protein that is moving from one part of the body to another, timing and the, 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 the mechanics of all of that is clearly designed. And that's exactly what this word that the Holy Spirit used for created means. It wasn't just happenstance. It wasn't just that somehow out of the billions and billions and trillions and trillions of chances, the few that work happen to, to survive. No, this is all created by design, put into proper order by the Word of God, verse 3 says. Now, when we hear that by the Word of God, we naturally think of Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We know that from chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, Jesus created everything that is in the world, and He sustains it all. So we naturally think when it says He created all of this by the Word of God, He's talking about Jesus, but He actually doesn't use the word that is used for Jesus, logos. Most of us know that word in the Bible, logos. That's not the word used here for word. It's another word in the Greek language called rhema. Rhema means an individual word. Any individual word in a sentence is just pointing to an individual word. So yes, we do know that Jesus created everything, but this isn't the word that's used in the Bible to reference Jesus. It, he's saying by a single spoken word, God made everything that is. It's like this is God's imperial fiat. He just says one thing and it's there. We have in our statement of faith as, as a church that God created everything ex nihilo, out of nothing. It's exactly what it says here. The, what is visible came from what is invisible. What is invisible is God. God is the source of everything. He's the ground of everything. That's what is here. But what the Spirit of God is wanting us to hear is one spoken word from God and things appear. And nothing was before other than him. That's why Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning God said. In the beginning God said. In the beginning God said. Spoken word. Suddenly things appear. So the invisible is the source of the visible. God is the ground and the source of everything we see. And so when we as believers see the creation around us and the beauty of it and the power of it and the intricacy of it, we are pushed back beyond the creation to the Creator. So in Romans 1 verse 20, we read, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse, the ones who reject God. When we see the visible, faith takes us behind the visible to what created what is visible. 
That's an even greater reality, our God himself. How does that affect us in our everyday living, though? Well, I I love the way John Calvin put it. It's amazing to me his words from so long ago still ring true. The Spirit of God shows to us hidden things, the knowledge of which cannot reach our senses. And then look at what he gives examples of. Promised to us is eternal life, but it's promised to the dead. He promises eternal life to, to people who are dead. We are assured of happy resurrection, but we are as yet involved in corruption. Our bodies are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. We are pronounced just, and yet sin still dwells with us. We still struggle with it. We hear that we are happy in Jesus, but we are as yet in the midst of many miseries. An abundance of good things is promised to us, but we still often hunger and thirst. God proclaims that He will come quickly, but he seems deaf when we cry to him. What would become of us were we not supported by hope? Hope and faith are one. Hope is the confident assurance of what we do not see. That is faith. So the question for each of us is, are we living today in light of the certainty of the future that God has promised us as children of God. That if we have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that He died for us, whosoever believes will have eternal life. Now, if you haven't believed in Jesus alone, if you're trying to find another way to heaven, then that's where we begin. We believe in Jesus alone. That's why 10 chapters of Hebrews unpacking who Jesus is, that's the source of our faith and our hope. Jesus, who is God and who is our Savior. But are we living today in light of that? Does that hope penetrate every single aspect of our lives? Because faith shapes our life today. Because we see the future with the same clarity as we see the present or the past. Faith is the organ that allows us to see the reality behind what others see as the reality. There is a greater reality, and it is God. He has promised us eternal rest. He has promised us a new hope in heaven. As chapter 10 says, we are now able to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus and by his blood alone, by a new and living way. All of that is offered to us by faith. So today, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the diagnosis you receive from a doctor is, no matter what the challenge economically is, no matter what the brokenness that you're feeling is, this is not all there is. The invisible reality is actually more real than what we see because the God who we cannot see has created everything we can see, and Jesus now has provided a a way for a new and living way for us to come into the very presence of God Himself. So the just not only are saved by faith, but we live by faith. We live with hope every day. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the hope that you give us, the life that you give us, the purpose you give us. And we live by faith not just with what we can see with our eyes, but 
knowing that there is so much reality beyond what we can see. Everything that we can see came from what we cannot see. And as we put our faith in you, the resurrection and the life, those of us who believe in you, even though we die, yet we will live. So we don't store up treasures on earth. We store up treasures in heaven. So we don't put our hope in our things here on earth, but our things in heaven. We don't put, up, put our hope in our house on earth, but our home in heaven. And therefore, we can live with perseverance no matter what comes our way. So Father, whatever my brothers or sisters in this room may be facing that seems absolutely overwhelming to them today, help them to see with the eyes of faith that they have a real hope that so far surpasses what they're facing today. Help them to persevere in their faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.